here we are nearly two decades later, and I'm here to say the warning lights are blinking red again. Hmm. Red blinking warning lights. Wonderful notice. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. We won't notice. I got the feeling that something right. We never do. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI. We'll be talking about you, Pennsylvania, today. In Maui, Hawaii on KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN. Palinville, New York's WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans, Voice of Descent, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, KODX in Seattle, Washington. We'll be talking about you as well today, Seattle. Red Bluff and Red in California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM. 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. Your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, and, as Desi Doyen likes to call me, your early warning system. Yes. From bradblog.com. Often ignored, but yes, your early warning system from bradblog.com. That's us. Uh, well, we've got another show, uh, speaking of early warning systems, <laughs> another show worth buckling up for today, I'm afraid. So let's uh, let's start here with the easier stuff so that you can have time to sit down and secure yourself. If you're driving, maybe you want to find a nice park, pull over to the side of the road for a while if, uh, if need be. Uh, we'll start with the easy stuff. The California Supreme Court late on Wednesday blocked a proposal to split the state of California into three states from appearing as ballot measure this November. Sad trombone or happy trombone, depending on uh, how you may feel about it. The proposal, championed by Silicon Valley venture capitalist Tim Draper, had gathered at least 600,000 signatures. That's enough to qualify for the midterm ballot this year, but the court said on Wednesday that it has decided to remove the measure, at least for now, from the ballot, quote, because significant questions have been raised regarding the proposition's validity, according to the L.A. Times. If passed, the proposal would have divided the state of California into three states called California, Northern California, and Southern California, each with similar Populations. If the proposal had been approved by voters this November, it still would have had to have been approved by the California state legislature and by Congress. The uh, court's ruling comes in light of an ongoing legal challenge from an environmental 
nonprofit group, the Planning and Conservation League, which argues that the initiative was too serious of a proposal to be approved for a ballot measure. The group argued that the state constitution requires a two-thirds vote of both legislative chambers before a proposal for a, quote, significant change to California government can be put to voters. This would certainly seem to qualify as a significant change by any measure, I would think. Indeed. Uh, The Planning and Conservation League has raised concerns also that the measure could result in weaker environmental protections in the state. Well, yes. After the uh, court decision on Wednesday, the executive director of the group, Howard Penn, said the proposition is, quote, a costly, flawed scheme that would, quote, waste billions of California taxpayer dollars, create chaos in public services, including safeguarding our environment, all to satisfy the whims of one billionaire. I don't know, Des, we could use uh, some chaos lately. Things yeah. have been kind of no. slow. No, not <laughs> no. so. No, divide and conquer is here. what he was actually after. Chaos was what he was after. I'm glad it's been kicked off the ballot. The court said that it will now move to consider the league's larger uh, challenge. It could come back on the ballot. Don't get too excited, Des. Mm. The larger challenge to the initiative itself but that uh, none of that will likely be in time for November's ballot. So for now, and again, I guess, depending on how you look at it, environmentalists save the day. Yay, environmentalists. Or ruin it. I don't know. Depends how you might feel about this. Uh, But to that end, uh, Desi Doyen will uh, join us a bit later, if time allows, with her latest Green News report, both saving and ruining the day, (laughs) I'm sure, as she does. There you go. Uh, Also, on Wednesday, the President of the United States said no at least twice to a reporter when he was asked if he believes Russia continues to target the U.S. That response directly conflicts with Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats' declaration last week that the warning lights are blinking red again, comparing the threat matrix right now to the eve of the September 11, 2001 attacks. Here is Dan Coats, former GOP U.S. Senator from Indiana and Trump's own Director of National Intelligence, who Trump appointed himself, speaking about all of this just days ago. It was in the months prior to September 2001 when, according to then-CIA Director George Tenet, the system was blinking red. And here we are two decades, nearly two decades later, and I'm here to say the warning lights are blinking red again. Today, the digital infrastructure that serves this country is literally under attack. Every day, foreign actors, the worst offenders being Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea, every day they are penetrating our digital infrastructure and conducting a range of cyber intrusions and attacks against targets in the United States. The targets range from U.S. businesses to the federal government, including our military, to state and local governments, to academic and financial institutions, and elements of our critical infrastructure, just to name a few. These attacks come in different forms. Some are tailored to achieve very tactical goals, while others are implemented for a strategic purpose, including the possibility 
of a crippling cyber attack against our critical infrastructure. Our critical infrastructure. Again, uh, thanks to the Obama administration, uh, our critical infrastructure now includes our election systems, our voting systems, our voter registration and vote counting computers and networks. So the warning lights are blinking again for those systems, says Dan Coats, just as they were before 9-11, according to the uh, the current director of national intelligence appointed by Donald Trump. But Donald Trump, the president of the United States, apparently knows better and says that Russia is no longer targeting us after his meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin in Helsinki. That's what he told reporters at the White House on Wednesday. Coates uh, said during another appearance, by the way, on Monday, the same day as Trump's meeting with Putin, that Russia's efforts to undermine U.S. democracy are, quote, ongoing and persuasive. At the Aspen Security Forum in Colorado on Wednesday night, Donald Trump's FBI director, Christopher Wray, again, the one that he appointed to replace James Comey, who he fired for investigating Russia's alleged attempt to interfere in the 2016 election. Christopher Wray responded to Trump's various inconsistent statements, and I think that's putting it kindly, about Russian interference in the American political system. Ray said he's got his view. He's expressed his view, talking about Trump. The intelligence community's assessment has not changed. He said, my view has not changed, which is that Russia attempted to interfere with the last election and that it continues to engage in malign interference influence operations to this day. Now, after Trump earlier on Wednesday had said no when he was asked if Russia was continuing to target the U.S., White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders argued that the president was actually just saying no to talk to taking additional questions. Not that he was, again, repeating the uh, uh, Putin's denial earlier in the week, which uh, Trump had stood by before, but then tried to walk back the previous day. But as Washington Post's James Holman reports, in fact, Trump continued to take questions from reporters after answering no to that one reporter. The ABC News correspondent who had asked Trump the original question pushed back on Sarah Huckabee Sanders' spin. ABC's Cecilia v- uh, Vega tweeted that, um, that Trump was, in fact, quote, looking directly at me when he spoke. Yes, I believe he heard me clearly. He answered two of my questions and then he went on to take others. Nonetheless, in our post-truth world, here's what the White House press secretary said when pressed on all of this during the um, during a briefing after the incident. Earlier, Cecilia asked the president, is Russia still targeting the U.S.? He said no. Is that what the president actually believes? Do you understand the question? And is his position that no, Russia is not doing anything to interfere or meddle in the 2018 election? You had a chance to speak with the president after uh, his comments, and the president was said thank you very much and was saying no to answering questions. Um, the president and his administration are working very hard to make sure that right, Russia is unable to meddle in our elections, as they have done in the past and as we have stated. So he does believe it's going on. Uh, Well, since there's currently not an election today, uh, not specifically, but we certainly believe um, 
that we are taking steps to make sure they can't do it again, unlike previous administrations. Uh, this president is actually taking uh, bold action and reform to make sure it doesn't happen again. But um, he does believe that they would target certainly U.S. elections again. So despite the video that shows the president looking at Cecilia and answering no to this question about whether Russia is still targeting the U.S. and despite multiple people in the room understanding that the president was responding to that question and despite the president having never before said the word no, no repeatedly to usher reporters out of the room, yeah, you're saying, you're no saying it's a reverse. You're saying the president said this the is the first thing that time. the president said after the question was asked was thank you very and much he said, and then no. he said no, I'm not answering any more questions. So and even further, I think even Cecilia didn't realize what the answer was because she asked for clarification and he didn't answer the follow-up. Again, I right because because she wasn't sure. I talked to the president. He wasn't answering that question. He was saying no. He's not taking questions. And I've stated what our position is. Jesus. All right. Uh, Newsflash: uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is a huge liar. You probably knew that much, um, but uh, several points here for uh, just a start. And there's a reason why I'm, I'm slogging through all of this. But Sarah Huckabee Sanders said that they're uh, not doing it now because there's not an election. They're not concerned about it now because there's not an election today. In fact, there is an election today. And there was one when Sanders made that comment. More than one election, in fact. On Tuesday, for example, Alabama held its primary runoff elections. And on Wednesday, they were counting and canvassing those votes that were tabulated on computers. Also on Wednesday, on hackable computers, by the way. Also on Wednesday, early voting had uh, begun. As Sarah Sanders was speaking, early voting had begun for upcoming primaries elsewhere. For example, in Kansas, where early voting started on Wednesday, as we noted on yesterday's program, though apparently the White House press secretary is unaware of these things or she does not care. Yes, there is an election today, Ms. Sanders, and it could be targeted by bad guys, be they from Russia or from any other country, including from our own. All of these systems are hackable quite easily, in fact. Uh, Sanders also uh, claimed that unlike previous administrations, this administration is actually taking bold action and reform to make sure it doesn't happen again, whatever happened in 2016. That is, of course, also untrue on several levels. She is a very accomplished liar, just like her boss. In fact, it was the previous administration that declared these systems to be critical infrastructure in the first place. Now, let me be clear. The previous administration, all previous administrations, did not do nearly enough to safeguard our elections, which can only be safeguarded by public oversight, which is very difficult when a vote is being counted inside a computer. But it was that previous administration who at least declared our election system to be critical infrastructure, thus freeing up a whole bunch of national security apparatus to help with the defense of those systems. And uh, even at that, the current administration is not doing nearly enough to protect those uh, critical systems, as I'll explain in a bit here. Fox News even did not buy the White House spin from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, a Chiron on the bottom of the screen on the uh, president's favorite channel. 
blared, quote, try, try again. White House and Trump offer different responses on Russia. And uh, as they say, when you've lost Fox News. Anyway, don't worry. <laughs> it they'll, won't be for long. No, they'll come back. They'll come around. They always do. I'm sure that Chiron editor has uh, by now been summarily executed. Uh, in any event, asked by CBS later in the day on Wednesday whether he agrees with Dan Coats's assessment, his own director of national intelligence, that, quote, the system is blinking red and that Russia is continuing to target our critical infrastructure, including our election systems. Trump said, quote, well, I'd accept it. I mean, he's an expert. This is what he does. He's been doing a very good job. I have tremendous faith in Daniel Coates. And if he says that, I would accept that. I would tell you, though, it better not be. It better not be. If Dan Coates said if if he says that, well, yeah, he does say that repeatedly and publicly. Uh, he has been saying it for a long time. He's been saying it very loudly uh, over the past week. But for whatever reason, uh, Trump does not like to sound like someone who accepts what he has been told, says the Post. Moreover, Trump has been hearing it for a long time in private. Today's New York Times reports that two weeks before his inauguration, Trump was shown highly classified intelligence, indicating that Putin personally ordered complex cyber attacks to sway the 2016 American elections. The uh, Times' David Sanger and Matt Rosenberg report, quote, the evidence included texts and emails from Russian military officers and information gleaned from a top-secret human intelligence source said to be very close to Mr. Putin, who had uh, described to the CIA how the Kremlin decided to execute its campaign of hacking and disinformation. Trump the paper says, sounded grudgingly convinced, according to several people who attended the intelligence briefing. But ever since, Trump has tried to cloud the very clear findings that he was given, that he received on January 6 of 2017. Again, several weeks before his inauguration, which his own intelligence leaders have all unanimously endorsed ever since. For the record, he also told uh, CBS uh, on Wednesday that uh, he had told Putin during their private one-on-one -on -one meeting in Helsinki, uh, when, where there were no note-takers or anybody else present other than translators, uh, that, quote, I let him know we can't have this, referring to election interference. But, of course, that is very different from what he actually said publicly afterwards when standing next to Putin and when he was directly asked by uh, in several different ways by several different reporters about that. Uh, not that I would ever suggest the president of the United States was a huge liar or anything. Except when you do. Me? So... Um, if uh, if the White House does not plan to actually do anything regarding the 2018 elections other than offer a bunch of contradictory BS whenever Trump's position of the moment is is isn't playing well with the public. How about Congress? Will they actually do anything to try and protect our elections? Maybe a silly question. I uh, I do know uh, senators. Uh, Jeff Flake, Republican of Arizona, and Chris Coons, Democrat from Delaware, 
introduced a non-binding resolution on Wednesday that would uh, commend the Justice Department for their investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election, reaffirm the intelligence community's assessment that the Kremlin interfered and say that Moscow must be held accountable though this uh, non-binding resolution does not specify how they must be held accountable. They are hoping that this measure can pass by unanimous consent. I don't know if that measure has been taken up by airtime today or not. Don't know if it will ever be taken up by the U.S. Senate. Politico reports that threats from uh, Republican lawmakers about confronting the president or pushing bills to punish Russia for further Election interference are ringing hollow inside the White House, which has uh, reportedly grown accustomed to panic from elected officials, followed by inaction from those same officials on Capitol Hill. True. So, you know, why should they worry? They know that, uh, frankly, neither Senate leader Mitch McConnell, House Speaker Paul Ryan, will actually allow anything uh, to come forward uh, that, you know, they won't do anything to assert their status as a co-equal branch of government. They have been cowed by this president. president has nothing to fear. Politico writes that a number of hawkish senators alarmed by the president's remarks this week have yet to hear from Chief of Staff John Kelly, who frequently reassures Nervous Republicans and some senators are barreling forward with efforts to combat Russian interference in the fall election. Well, barreling may be an overstatement there. There is some tepid effort, largely by a handful of Democrats, uh, but I'll get to some of that in a bit as well. House Republicans, on the other hand, in the meantime, they are actually trying to cut funding for election security grants this week. Of course they did. From a uh, spending bill that lawmakers are voting on uh, on Thursday. Washington Post's Erica Warner reports that, uh, quote, at issue is a grants program overseen by the federal Election Assistance Commission, uh, that's the uh, only federal agency that is actually uh, supposed to develop standards for the terrible electronic voting systems that are used in all 50 states. So a grants program uh, by the EAC aimed at helping states administer their elections and improve voting systems. That's what the Republicans are trying to prevent Democrats want the funding to continue, the grant funding to continue through 2019, but Republicans argued strenuously in floor debate on Wednesday that states have plenty of money from prior congressional allocations to spend on election improvements if they want to. But Democrats accuse the Republicans of abetting Donald Trump in his refusal to take a hard line against Putin and the concerns about Russian interference. At the same time, most states are not planning on upgrading their election security systems before the midterms, despite having some federal money to do so. I think uh, it was about $150 million or so was allocated for that purpose some weeks ago. Politico's Eric Geller reports just, uh, just 13 states said they intend to use those federal dollars to buy new voting machines 
At least 22 said they have no plans to replace their machines before the election, including all five states that rely solely on 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems. Uh, There are a whole bunch of uh, more states that use those systems, but not across the entire state. Uh, Cybersecurity experts, voting machine experts, and yes, the Bradcast and Bradblog.com consider those machines to be a top vulnerability, but they are all similarly vulnerable, and new machines will not actually help that. What will help that is ensuring that every voter in this country can cast a, 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 a vote on a hand-marked paper ballot and then uh, public oversight to make sure those hand-marked paper ballots are actually counted accurately. In addition, almost no states conduct, I wouldn't say almost no states, I would say no states conduct robust post-election audits to, uh, to look for evidence of tampering after the fact. And uh, fewer than one-third of states and territories have uh, requested a security review from the Department of Homeland Security, according to Politico. So does all of that sound discouraging to you before we get to the crucial 2018 midterm elections? If so, I'm sorry. Please don't keep uh, let it keep you from voting. But along with the fact that the FBI revealed a few days ago, as we discussed in some detail, I think it was yesterday's broadcast, that the uh, server company used for all of the state of Maryland's voting and voter registration and election night results reporting systems. That system is actually owned by a Russian oligarch, according to the FBI. Maryland had no idea. So in addition to that and everything else, there is still more you should be concerned about. And as I've long been arguing, uh, it's not just Russia or Russian-owned companies that we should all be concerned about. If you have trust and faith in any aspect of our election system, rather than uh, understanding that the system requires public oversight, not trust or faith, but oversight by the public, by you and me. If you have any kind of trust and faith in the system, then you ain't paying attention because the American company, which runs the vast majority of elections in this country, is not to be trusted either, as has now been once again confirmed this week. I will explain that after a quick break. This is your Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. We do. 
We have to go back a little bit in time, not as far back as the uh, the 1980s, Desi <laughs> Joy. 1980s, and, uh, yeah, if you're yeah. watching Back to the Future. That's true. Uh, but we do need to go back to 2011 to a little website uh, called bradblog.com. You may have heard of it. I think I have. Oh, yeah. This is the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. So in December of 2011, we reported an exclusive report, a special report at the time, on a forensic analysis in Venango County, Pennsylvania, of that county's electronic voting system. Uh, as I reported way back then, uh, according to a report from a landmark independent forensic audit of the Venango County, Pennsylvania touchscreen voting system, the same system used in dozens of counties across the state and country, as I noted at the time. Someone used a computer that was not a part of the county's election network to remotely access the central election tabulator computer in Venango County illegally and, quote, on multiple occasions, according to that report. Despite the disturbing report that we had obtained at the time and posted in full at bradblog.com, where you can still read it, the county's commissioners and the nation's largest e-voting company, that is ESNS, they teamed up to spike any further investigation after that initial report which itself was uh, incredible that it even came out. It was only thanks to the fact that some election commissioners, there was sort of this rogue election commission that was actually uh, headed up by Republicans, uh, brought on these, uh, these computer scientists to look into problems that had been reported in this voting system. And they were sort of a rogue election commission county commission they came in because the regular commission was on the ballot that year and in the way that it works in pennsylvania is when they're on the ballot they can't be the commissioners so they bring in another group of commissioners and this other group of commissioners was able to uh, commission this report by these independent scientists now esns is of course the e-voting vendor election systems and software inc they are still the nation's largest vendor and they worked with the uh, gop county commissioners the elected ones not this rogue commission uh, to actually spike any further independent scientific forensic audit of the county's failed electronic voting systems after they were able to regain the reins of power but that initial report uh, at the time was by two Carnegie Mellon computer science professors who had volunteered to carry out this analysis on behalf of that rogue board. And they had discovered uh, that some unknown person had spent hours remotely accessing the voting and tabulation systems in Venango County back in uh, in 2010 during that election. We covered the report exclusively at the time in some detail, and I'll link back to our special report from 2011, um, including we had uh, talked to a lot of folks. We had interviewed uh, election integrity advocate Mary Beth Kuznick. She's founder of the nonpartisan watchdog organization Vote PA. She explained that the board was calling for this investigation after the county had experienced, quote, numerous reports of vote flipping, candidates missing from screens, write-in votes missing, high undervote rates um, back in their uh, May 17 primary. 
that year, or in uh, 2010, I believe it was, and while reporting on the Venango board's efforts to get their analysis underway in the first place, um, we also uh, received the news of that forensic audit and the report itself. The uh, the head of that board, the, the person who had commissioned it, said that it started with an election in 2008 when the machines were basically showing a large number of undervotes. And then there were candidates for positions in the county that had zero votes, but there was like 250 or 260 undervotes. He had called in. Um, he was the one who commissioned this report. He had actually called in while we were on the air uh, as a surprise call to explain how all of this had come about. And as we also reported at the time, and the same is true, true today, the same type of 100% unverifiable ESNS iVotronic touchscreen systems that the board was fighting to audit in Venango County are still used to this day across Pennsylvania and across uh, in states all over the country, including in South Carolina, where we had a Republican on last week who's suing to stop the use of these systems. So that was back in 2011, and they found that someone had somehow reached into the system remotely and had spent hours on the system, a, a computer that was not authorized to be there, had spent hours on the system in advance of the election, and then ESNS came in and stopped any further investigation of this. And it's a startling report as is. They wanted to look at some specific machines, but they were blocked from doing so. So that was back in 2011. And now let's move the clock forward to this past week when Oregon's U.S. Senator Ron Wyden had this to say about ESNS at a U.S. Senate hearing last week in the Rules Committee, that which was uh, which is looking at Wyden's election reform bill, which is calling for hand-marked paper ballots to be made available to every voter in America. Here's what Ron Wyden had to say about ESNS in the U.S. Senate. And I wrote this bill in spite of this campaign of ducking and bobbing and weaving, really stonewalling, from the major voting machine companies. Over the past year, I wrote the big voting machine companies asking them basic questions about their cybersecurity. These were not complicated questions. They were, have you been hacked? Uh, do you employ in-house cyber uh, experts? Really the basic sort of cyber hygiene 101. The companies refused to answer how or even if they are protecting their systems and the votes of the American people. Earlier this year, the New York Times published a story revealing that ESNS, the largest voting machine manufacturer, was selling devices that came pre-installed with modems and remote monitoring software. The experts say remote access to election infrastructure is now a five-alarm crisis when it comes to security. My view is you could only make it worse if you were to leave unguarded ballot boxes in Moscow and Beijing. So I kept writing to the company, following up with the same common sense questions. They ignored those as well. It is clear to me, Mr. Chairman, these companies want to be gatekeepers of our democracy, but they seem completely uninterested in safeguarding it. Five states exclusively use voting machines that do not produce a paper trail. 
The only record of the votes cast is a digital record, which could be hacked and which is impossible to audit reliably. That strikes me as a prescription for disaster. Americans need to have paper ballots marked by hand. Until that system is adopted, every election that goes by is yet another election that foreign governments, hostile foreign governments, including Russia, can hack. That was uh, U.S. Senator from Oregon, Democratic Senator Ron Wyden at the Senate Rules Committee just last week talking about the uh, remote access to these voting systems is now a five-alarm crisis. That somewhat echoes what uh, Donald Trump's director of national intelligence, Dan Coats, said last week, that the system is now blinking red in a way that they have not seen since uh, since 9-11, since just before the attacks in 9-11. And now Ron Wyden was talking there about ESNS. They, ESNS and Dominion Voting, the second largest voting system company in America, uh, they're actually a foreign-owned company themselves, a Canadian company. Both of those companies refused to show up for that hearing in the U.S. Senate. They were invited. It was about election systems and election reform. They were invited. They refused to show up. And as Wyden uh, explained in his testimony there, they have continued to stonewall to stonewall him in answering his questions. All right. So from Venango County in 2011 to the U.S. Senate just last week. Now let's roll the clock forward to this week and Kim Zetter's report. Kim Zetter is one of the few journalists in the country who has been on this beat, I think, as long as I have. Almost as long. Uh, Yeah, almost, maybe even longer. Uh, She uh, reported on this at Vice's motherboard outlet, a news outlet. Uh, Kim Zetter says the nation's top voting machine maker has now admitted in a letter to a federal lawmaker that the company installed remote access software on election management systems that it sold over a period of six years, raising questions about the security of those systems and the integrity of elections that were conducted on them. I had hoped to have uh, Kim on uh, the show today to talk about her story. She's at a conference this week. She couldn't join us, so I'm going to do my best here to sort of uh, work through her excellent reporting on this. She writes that in a letter to Senator Ron Wyden, and obtained by Motherboard, Election Systems and Software, Inc., that's ESNS, acknowledged that it had provided PC Anywhere remote connection software to a small number of customers. This is uh, their, their, this is ESNS talking to a small number of customers between 2000 and 2006, which was installed on the election management system that ESNS sold them at the time. The statement from ESNS, she notes, contradicts what the company had told her and New York Times fact checkers for a story that she wrote for the New York Times back in February. At that time, a spokesman said uh, ESNS had never installed PC Anywhere, this remote access software, on any election system that it sold. Apparently, ESNS out and out lied to Kim Zetter, who was uh, writing for the New York Times at the time earlier this year. Quote, none of the employees, including long tenured employees, has any knowledge that our voting systems have ever been sold with remote access software. The spokesman said to Kim Zetter and the New York Times at the time. 
ESNS did not respond on Monday to questions from uh, from Motherboard. It's not clear why the company has now changed its response. The company's machines were used statewide in a number of states, she writes, and at least 60 percent of ballots cast in the U.S. in 2006 were tabulated on ESNS election management systems. It's not clear why ESNS would have only installed the software on, quote, a number, a small number of customers and not for all customers. In other words, she seems that uh, she may not believe the company for some reason right now. And why should she? They have already lied to her uh, for this lengthy story, an excellent story, uh, on the current state of our election uh, systems and security at The New York Times in February. The company told Wyden, however, that it stopped installing PC Anywhere on systems in December of 2007 after the Elections Assistance Commission the U.S. EAC, which oversees federal testing and certification of these systems, uh, after they released new voting system standards. Those standards required that any election system submitted for federal testing and certification thereafter could only contain software essential for voting and tabulation. Apparently that would preclude uh, remote access systems. Now, mind you, these systems that were sold between 2000 and 2006, they are still used all over the country. It's not like, you know, we stopped using them in 2006. These, these are used in dozens and dozens of states around the country. And at the same time, as Zetter notes, software like PC Anywhere is used by system administrators to access systems from remote locations to conduct maintenance or upgrade or alter software. ESNS customers who, yes, we now know had PC Anywhere installed, also had modems on their election systems so that ESNS technicians could dial into the systems and use the software to troubleshoot, uh, thereby creating a potential port of entry for hackers as well. Could you say that part again about ESNS? technicians having access to all of these That's systems right. yes. and gosh i'm sure they're all you know you don't not. need to worry about them no they're <laughs> fine they're all they're all americans there's not a russian in the lot i'm sure so you don't need to worry i mean that's what's crazy about this we've got you know all of this focus on russia and you could have anyone go to work for this company, ESNS, and have access, complete access to these systems to do anything they want. At any time. And no one uh, is going to do anything about it, even if it's discovered that they have gone into that system and spent hours remotely accessing the system. These voting system companies have so much power with elected officials and election officials that they can keep even a forensic uh, examination from happening on these systems. By the way, there has never been a forensic uh, examination of the systems that were used in the 2016 presidential elections in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, three states where had just uh, three votes gone to Hillary Clinton instead of Donald Trump in each precinct. She would have been the president today. And Michigan had multiple problems with their ballots and multiple problems with their machines. But we don't have time to go. Into we don't have time. Don't even get me started. I know. Uh, in May of 2006, Zeta reports in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, ESNS technicians used PC Anywhere to uh, on that county's election management system for hours trying to reconcile vote discrepancies in a local election, according to a report that was filed at the time. 
and in a contract with Michigan, there you go, Des, mm-hmm. which uh, went from 2006 to 2009, ES&S discussed its use of PC Anywhere and modems for that purpose as well. And yes, Michigan is still using many of those same systems. The presence of such software makes a system more vulnerable to attack from hackers, she writes, especially if the remote access software itself contains security vulnerabilities and, in fact, in 2006, the same period when ESNS says it was installing PC Anywhere on election systems, hackers stole the source code for the PC Anywhere software, but the public did not learn about any of that until 2012, 2012, when a hacker posted some of the source code online, forcing Symantec, who uh, distributes PC Anywhere, to finally admit that the source code had been stolen years earlier. Symantec admitted to the theft in 2012, and at the time they took the unprecedented step of warning users to disable or uninstall the software until it could make sure that any security flaws in the software had actually been patched. Around the same time, security researchers discovered a critical vulnerability in PC Anywhere itself that would allow an attacker to seize control of a system that had the software installed on it without needing to authenticate themselves to the system with a password. So you don't even need a password to get on to these systems. A security firm at the time found that there were some 150,000 Systems that were configured with PC Anywhere that would allow direct access to those systems. Zetter reports that it's not clear if election officials who had uh, PC Anywhere installed on their systems ever patched any of this or the other security flaws that were found in the software. Uh, Joe Hall, uh, chief technologist for the Center for Democracy and Technologies, told Zetter, quote, it's very unlikely the jurisdictions that had to use this software actually updated it very often, meaning it's uh, likely that a non-trivial number of them were exposed. ESNS said in its letter to, uh, to widen that the modems it installed on its election systems for use with PC Anywhere were configured so that only election officials could initiate connections with ESNS. But when Wyden's office asked in a letter to ESNS in March what settings were used to secure the communications, whether the systems used hard-coded or default passwords like 12345, as we have seen on other such systems, or whether ESNS or anyone else had actually conducted a security audit around the use of PC anywhere to ensure that the communication was done in a secure manner, the company would not respond to any of those questions. To a U.S. senator. And uh, Zetter notes that even if ESNS and its customers had configured their remote connections in a secure manner, the uh, recent U.S. indictments against Russian state hackers who had tried to interfere in the 2016 election show that an attacker would only have to have had uh, to have hacked ESNS and then they could use their network to slip into any of these counties' election management systems. So there were all kinds of vulnerabilities. The companies uh, would the company wouldn't tell us about. They're lying about now The counties uh, won't talk about it. The counties will actually stop investigations into any of this. 
Now, in its letter to Wyden, um, ESNS defended using PC Anywhere. They said at the time that there were uh, other voting system manufacturers who did the same thing. This was considered an accepted practice back in 2006. And in fact, Motherboard contacted uh, the other top vendors, Heart InterCivic and Dominion, to verify uh, whether they used it as well. They did not respond, but Doug Jones, a uh, computer science uh, expert, voting systems expert at uh, University of Iowa, said that other companies did routinely install remote access software during this period. All of this, she writes, raises questions about how many counties across the U.S. had remote access software installed and whether they still do now. Wyden's office had asked ESNS to identify which of its customers were sold PC anywhere, but the company wouldn't even respond to that. ESNS would only say that it had confirmed with customers who had the software installed that they, quote, no longer have this application installed. Do you believe them? Did they remove the modems, the hardware from those systems? Uh, the company would not respond to those questions either. And uh, which of these com uh, uh, counties, which of these customers, when and if they removed uh, any of this software? They did say, however, that they had only recently told customers to remove it following concerns raised in the 2016 presidential election that Russian hackers were targeting election networks in the U.S. And as late as 2011, PC Anywhere was still being used on at least one ESNS customer's election management system. That customer, Venango County, Pennsylvania. Where our story began and continues back in 2011 and today as we barrel towards the crucial 2018 midterm elections. Feel better? Told you to pull over to the side of the road uh, and buckle up for today's program. All right, quick break, and we are back to be uh, soothed by Desi Doyen with our latest Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your broadcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. You know, it's, it's not for nothing that I have been calling out these voting machine companies as liars for years. 
and uh, warning every uh, warning everyone that I could that you know I could get to listen to me that they should not trust voting system uh, voting machine companies uh, or election officials they should fight like hell for oversight. Uh, and I guess it's not for nothing that uh, it was just outrageous that I would call these people out as liars and, and people people in the media were just throwing up their hands. They were, Incivility. Yes. But turns out I was right. Go figure. All right. Uh, speaking of right about many things for many years, Desi Doyen, I guess you've got it. Our latest Green News report. Does your kid's school district test for lead in its drinking water? Probably not. Less than half of U.S. school districts do. Thanks to the leadership of President Trump and Administrator Pruitt, we have made tremendous progress over the past year and a half. Following in Scott Pruitt's swampy footsteps, acting EPA Chief Wheeler weakens toxic coal ash water protections. June 2018 was the third hottest June ever recorded globally. Plus, the world's largest hotel company is planning to eliminate one billion straws. Marriott International becomes the latest major corporation to ditch plastic straws. All of those stories and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Um, And I did work for a coal company, and I'm not at all ashamed of the work that I did for the coal company. I think it's been used by some people to a, in a derogatory manner. Why would anybody be derogatory about working for an industry which kills people and lies about it? Andrew Wheeler, acting chief of the Environmental Protection Agency. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, not that the EPA cares, but we have a potential problem with lead in the drinking water of our nation's public schools? Yes, apparently we do. A new report from the Government Accountability Office has found that less than half of the school districts in the United States test their drinking water for lead. And of those schools that did test their drinking water, 37% discovered elevated levels of lead, which is a potent neurotoxin. The GAO report says schools that found lead contamination in their drinking water last year have taken steps to address the problem, but no federal law requires schools to test for lead in drinking water. 41% of school districts serving 12 million students do not test for lead at all. Mm. Every individual school should test their water, according to John Rumpler of Environment America. We've used lead in pipes and plumbing and faucets and fixtures. It's a widespread problem, and we urge the schools to do more to protect kids from any level of lead in the water they drink. Only eight states require such testing. I guess that would just be too harmful for our economy if the EPA actually required U.S. school districts to do exactly that. Meanwhile, speaking of the EPA, former coal lobbyist Andrew Wheeler, in his first major action as acting Environmental Protection Agency Administrator, on Wednesday weakened Obama-era rules that were intended to prevent toxic coal ash waste from contaminating drinking water. The former coal lobbyist weaken rules concerning coal? Who could have predicted it? The far-reaching rule gives states authority to set their own standards 
standards for coal ash waste, stored at more than 400 coal plants around the country, and even allows them to suspend monitoring for contamination. It also delays cleanup of unlined coal ash waste ponds. This despite recent public health disasters caused by toxic coal ash spills in West Virginia, Tennessee, and North Carolina. Earlier this year, a report issued by coal plant operators in eight states showed widespread groundwater contamination from coal ash waste. By the way, thanks to loopholes in the federal vacancy law, Wheeler can remain in charge of the EPA without Senate confirmation through 2020. Hey, that's fantastic. Meanwhile, June 2018 clocked in as the third warmest June on record globally. That's according to NASA this week, coming in just a hair behind June 2015 and June 2016. It's a remarkable record since there is no El Nino present to boost global temperatures and further indicates that the global warming trend observed over the last four years shows no signs of stopping. It's a hoax. Climate change is coming for your internet. A new study predicts that the undersea cables and hardware centers that provide the backbone of the internet could be flooded with salt water as sea levels rise over the next 15 years. Unlike undersea transatlantic telecommunications cables, these buried internet cables are not waterproof. The researchers from the University of Oregon on the study warned, quote, we have to start working on all of the mitigation efforts today. Either that or I may not get to see everything on Twitter? (laughs) More not. That sounds good. Some good news, though. California has announced that its ambitious climate action policies are succeeding. Last week, the state announced it has already hit its target to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions four years early and has pushed its emissions back down to 1990 levels even as its economy grew. Good for us. Finally, some more good news. Marriott International Hotels has become the latest major company to join the global movement to ditch plastic straws. The world's largest hotel company announced on Wednesday it will eliminate 1 billion straws and 250 million stirrers used annually at all of its 6,500 locations within the year. Sparked by a plastic straw ban in the city of Seattle that started on July 1st, Marriott joins Starbucks, American Airlines, Hilton and Hyatt Hotels, and other companies in doing their part to end the scourge of plastic pollution. Thank you, Seattle. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters if the internet isn't out at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyle. And this has been your Green News Report. The bluest skies you've ever seen are in Seattle. And the hills, the greenest green. I like that song. I do too. Jaunty. Yes. We love you, Seattle. Our listeners up there on KODX. Uh, We got to get out here. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. You can drop me email as well. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am simply the Bradblog. And as ever... My thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves. And because Brad won't say it, I will say it. It's Brad's birthday today. Happy birthday, Brad. Thank and you, Desi. Uh, feel free to drop by and send him a birthday gift if yeah. you like at uh, bradblog.com slash donate. Yeah, I'll be happy to say it. Uh, I'll, I'll take whatever birthday gifts you might have. Sounds uh, we good. need you. All right. Uh, thanks. That's it. Until we meet again. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.